0: You're listening to a Centro Church Podcast. Hey, uh, last night was a great night. We were shocked. We, we, we got into about the, the third or the fourth song. This thing you know, I know um, um, was Brett was supposed to be preaching and, and his father got up, Pastor Mark got up and they had a tremendous celebration of 25 years of us pastoring the church. So that was really exciting. <laughs> 25 years, what's that? That's something, right? What is it? Silver, is it? Silver, right? Okay. Well, they give me a nice ring. So there you go, nice silver ring. No, that's not true. We found that someone's lost that, but that's okay. (laughs) Again, it's just coincidence. (laughs) Hey, uh, we've been um, looking at uh, a series uh, in the month of December, Uh, Christmas. It's all good. And and the verse that we've used as our platform, our springboard, if you like, was Luke two verse ten. The angel of the Lord said to them, "Do not be afraid." I bring you good news. And uh, we lean into good news. When we hear good news, we want it to be true, even before we might really know and believe that it's true. But this good news, it says, will cause, will bring about great joy, not just for the rich people, not just for the powerful people, not just for the Jewish people, the special people, but this news will bring great joy. For all the people, and uh, that 's an incredible thing you know because most news that brings joy tends to bring joy at the expense of another group um, if you have a, uh, a you know a sporting um, fixture and the news brings great joy to one side it tends to bring a little bit of sadness to the other to have great news for all men is rather a, a unique Situation. This information was going to bring an explosion of ecstasy, of happiness, of joy. Uh, I, I want to show you in a moment where I believe this joy will spring from. Uh, this was not just a, uh, an esoteric, not just some kind of weird statement that an angel made, but there was some practical aspects to it that we're going to dig into this morning to understand where this joy comes from. Um, it's true to say. I want to suggest that we are primarily relational beings. You are pretty much as happy as you are as the uh, the important relationships of your life are healthy. Uh, one of the most inhuman forms of punishment you'd be aware of is solitary confinement. And uh, Christmas is all about connection. It's all about the way to connect uh, with one another and the way to connect with God. Now, to find out the key behind this, we're going to take a teaching, we're going to take a reading in a moment from a fellow by the name of John. Now, John was one of the disciples. He hung around with Jesus and he was part of, well, the elite three, but he was part of the special 12. And uh, he knew a lot about connection, as you could well imagine. He lived with 12 people, or 13, I guess, uh, including himself and Jesus. For the course of almost three and a half years, they ate together, walked together, slept in the same vicinity. I mean, they were literally in one another's pockets for three and a half years. Now think about that, because some of you are maybe having a dozen people for Christmas day, and by three thirty in the afternoon, you'd be saying, how much longer, uh, <laughs> right? These guys, these guys did it for three and a half years, living in close proximity day and night with one another and of course with Jesus, with God. So when we say that um, John knows something about relationships, uh, I just wanted you to know that he's coming from a position of credibility, a position of strength. So we're going to take um, a few verses. We're going to work our way through them. And in these verses, I believe you're going to find the key to joyous, happy relationships because indeed you are as happy and as joyous pretty much as the strength of your relationships. John, First uh, John chapter 1 verse 1 which says this, this which, was, this which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we've looked at and our own hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life that's very interesting because John's not speaking from something that he's learned John's not speaking from something that he in a sense just believes John's speaking from something that he was a part of he's an eyewitness but he's more than an eyewitness uh, he was part of the story I tasted it I touched it I smelt it uh, some people think that It's the most wonderful time of the year. There's just a feeling in the air. You know, you get that feeling. And John's suggesting that it's more than a feeling, that it's factual, that there are facts upon which this time of the year uh, is built. And he says, The life appeared in verse 2. The life appeared. We have seen it uh, and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us, the incarnation. We sing that carol, you hear those that hear the carol playing in shopping centers and the like. Uh, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the incarnate. That's the God that has come down in human flesh. The visible, the, the invisible has become visible, the supernatural has become natural, the ideal has become real. The divine has become human. This is incredibly unique. And this Christmas declaration, it's more than just historical events. It's more than just something that happened in the context of antiquity. What John is saying here is what I'm talking about, it's not just something to know about, it's something to believe. History is about the acquisition of facts things that have happened in the past. He's saying this is more than just historically accurate. It's something to declare. It's something to believe. It's something to contend for. It's a conviction. It's truth. It's something upon which you can build your life. See, many people think, oh, well, there's these lovely stories, you know, baby born in a manger, uh, wise men and shepherds and so on and so forth and nativity scenes and uh, and it's just this you know this lovely baby and this nice story that maybe even just legend what's John saying is that this is not just historically accurate it's more than just legend but it's more than just historical accuracy it's actual truth it's something upon which you can build your life you see you can't just say that Jesus was a good teacher, you know, born in a manger, some kind of question around his conception, not quite sure about that, but nevertheless, he had some nice things to say. Jesus talked about loving your neighbour, he talked about self-sacrifice and humility and all those virtuous, lovely things that we should all attempt to embrace and live our life by. But if that's all it is, it's going to crush you. If that's all Christmas is, is that that Jesus was born and grew up to become a great teacher, then that's going to cause nothing but frustration. Because the truth is, whilst we all vote for and buy into the fact that we want everybody else to be humble and everybody else to be self-sacrificing and so forth, it's very difficult for me to do it and I imagine it's difficult for you to do it too. In fact, it's and impossible without the force of the truth behind it without the fact that there is a spirit behind it, a living being behind it, that comes and empowers it and empowers you. This is not just the definition of history. This is the reality of life. This is truth. This is not just some force, some inanimate force. This is a human being. This is a person. This is God incarnate. You know, some religions think that God is incarnate in everything. You know, there's God in the trees and there's God in the animals and there's God in the soil and there's God in the ocean. And you just see God everywhere. Um, The Hindu religions and the like, uh, uh, the mystic religions. Uh, And then you've got the the Jewish and the Islamic religions who believe that God is so transcendent that it would be impossible for him to come in human form. Now we are in a very unique position that we declare that we proclaim that God came in human form. This is a historically life-altering, transforming, mind-blowing event. And the facts are, it's either true or it's not. Now, if it's not true, um, those who wrote this were a bit crazy because there were still people around who could have contended that the fact Jesus didn't rise from the dead, they say 500 saw him, but no one of them came back and said that that was a lie. Uh, so when you're contending for a point Where there are still people around who could say No, here's the body No, that never happened That's probably not a smart thing to do So if it was a lie, it was stupid But we're suggesting today that it's not just a lie And if you're here this morning And you don't really understand or know You think, yeah, you know, the Christmas thing Clearly it's a thing Because we're all celebrating it on Wednesday And, and, and you know, uh, the times we live around are, are built around the AD and the BC so clearly Jesus is a significant historical figure whether he's God or not I can't quite comprehend that I can't quite get my head around that I understand that and I appreciate that this is a leap of faith that there is a it is difficult for the mind to comprehend God in flesh it's not easy it's not an easy thing John's basically saying that it's not an easy thing but it was a thing and it is something that when you take that step of faith and when you recognise the significance of it and you lean into it, it does indeed blow your mind. And there's a reason he's talking like this. There's a so that, and we get to the so that in the next verse. The reason he's telling us that God came in human form, that the transcendent, all-powerful, all-knowing, self-existent, eternal God has come in human flesh is a really important message and it's a message that the angels said would bring great joy and here's why I believe that's so verse 3 it says we proclaim this to you what we've seen and heard and here's the word so that so here comes the motivation this is the reason why he's proclaimed all this truth right? all this, this stuff that, that's difficult perhaps for some to comprehend but uh, he was an eyewitness to it so he can attend and attest to it so that you may have firstly fellowship with us and secondly fellowship with the father and with the son Jesus Christ let's just dig down on those two huge statements for just a moment what John has just said is that the creator of the universe has come in human form for two fundamental reasons The two big ideas are that you can have a friend in another human being. We can have fellowship and that you can have a friend and an eternal being in God. The whole big idea behind the incarnation, this mind-blowing history-altering event, comes down to this, comes down to fellowship, comes down to friendship. Friendship that you might have somebody who's on your side. We all understand that um, you need at least two people to enter into a relationship. Um, There's just one person, then the end result of that is loneliness. But you have two people and you can have a relationship. Now, God showed us the way of relationship. See, when God came to, to earth... God came to our terra firma. This was our turf. He put himself into a very vulnerable situation. He came as a baby. Babies are incredibly vulnerable. They have no capacity for self-defence, certainly very little capacity to, uh, uh, to raise uh, a hand against another human being. Babies are pretty much at the mercy of of their surrounds. And how many know this? How many know that in life, it's very difficult to find somebody who really understands you, isn't it? You know that to be true. Who really gets the way you see the world. Um, In life, the truth is, you get very few real friends. Very few people, Being friendly to a lot of people, but there are very few people who really accept us for who we are with all of our weird idiosyncrasies and funny worldviews and, and the truth is there's, you've probably never met anybody who sees the world like you see it. You've probably never met anybody who has the worldview that you have, your traits, that likes everything that you like or, or dislikes what you dislike, that has your perspective on this world. And you get a friend and you sort of, you, you go along for a while and then pretty soon you find, well, you have a different view about a matter and, they are, and, and things just sort of, you know, they, they shrink back a little bit and you still might be friendly, but you're not the friends you used to be. And life goes on. You come across somebody else, and you become friends with them for a while, but then it kind of, you know, plays its course. And what we mean by that is, eventually you recognise, nah, they're not really my kind of person. They're not really like me. And so we leave them and we go to somebody else. And that's the way of life, isn't it? That's the way of life for everybody. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, so does pretty much, I think, everybody on the planet. Outside of this incarnational process, deep, honest friendship is very hard to find. But here's the key, right? This is the thing that I believe brings great joy. This is where Jesus becomes the model. Somebody in this relationship has to model and play Jesus. And that is, somebody has to leave their world and enter into the world of the other. Now, this is really, really difficult, isn't it? Because when you leave your world and you go into the world of another, boy, you're risking an awful lot. You're risking having your needs met. You're risking having the things that you like. You're risking your sense of safety and security. Missionaries do this all the time in terms of culture. They leave one culture with one language. They go to another culture with another language. And the whole idea behind there is to incarnate themselves into that foreign culture. We might understand that. And there's all kinds of training and disciplines and learning around that huge idea. But the truth is... That's the case for anybody that has a friend. (laughs) Because you know full well that the person you marry speaks a different language to you, don't you? (laughs) You know full well that the people you're trying to be friends with see things differently to you, don't you? And somebody has got to leave their world and enter into this world and say, okay... Uh, I don't know how it works here. And if you've ever been in a foreign culture, you know full well that it's the, it's the natives that have all the power because you're using words. Is this the right word? Does this get, what, um, does this get me what I want? Does this get me where I need to go? Um, is this the right thing to wear? I mean, am I in the right place? I, I, I'm, I'm very vulnerable here. In fact, it's a little insecure. I'd prefer, back in my own turf, Well, I knew everything that was right. Well, I had a a, a mind for the, uh, the culture and I could build a wall around me of security and I could be safe in there, lonely but safe. Lonely but safe. And to leave your world and to do what Jesus did, to enter into the world of another, does take courage. To consider the needs and to consider the world view and change yourself, if you will, to this is a courageous act, but it is the act of Christmas. That's what the incarnation is all about. And that's where friendship is found. So you can go lonely through this life, folks. You can go lonely through this world and you can wonder why the rest of the world will not, com- will not commit itself to making you happy while the rest of the world will not do what they need to be doing so that you might have joy. Or you can take up the, uh, the model, you can take up the example of Jesus who said, you know something, I'm going to become the vulnerable one and I'm going to enter into their world so that I might have fellowship with them. That's where friendship is found. So if you're here today and you don't have a friend, Have a think about the incarnation. Have a think about Jesus who came not to serve, and not to be served, I should say he came to serve. He didn't come to have his needs met. He came to meet the needs of others. God became man, and in that incarnation set for us a model. Not just that we can have fellowship with one another, but he also goes on and says we can have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, and what he's talking about here is that there is a spirit Part of you, there's a spirit part of me that becomes alive, when we have relationship with God, that if we don't have that, then there's something about us that's dormant, there's something about us that 's bored, there's something about us that 's going to pursue some kind of uh, satisfaction to that and never find it, because we are spiritual beings. and uh, we want to have a personal relationship with a personal God and that's what this is all about the opportunity to have a personal relationship with a personal God Jesus was not just an inspirational teacher he wasn't just an inspirational being he was indeed God who came into our world so that we could have relationship with him think about the cost of the incarnation think about the lengths that God went to to have relationship with you think about it for just five minutes that he left his throne in glory he left his place of power and authority. And he came to this world as a baby where anybody could have done almost anything to him for one for, for one reason, one objective. And that was to have connection with his creation. To have to have relationship with you. See, prayer, prayer's not about getting what you want. Prayer is about building that relationship with God. Prayers about spending time in his presence, getting to know him personally. We have great joy in relationship, not just with God, but also with one another. That's the so what. But I want you to see this next verse, because this next verse sort of sums this all up and brings it home in such a way that you go, oh, wow, this is possible. Because some of you are thinking, I've tried that, I'm not doing that again. Uh, I've been in a, another person's world, and I've got nothing but hurt. Right? I, I tried that, no thanks very much. Look, I've got my little world over here, I'm happy. You know, I've got my wife and us four and no more. And you know, As long as we're happy, I'm happy, and, and I'm not going to enter into the world of another. I want you to cop this next verse. This next verse is profound, where he says this. There's only a few words, but there's an awful lot in it. He says, we write this... To make our joy complete. There's our word joy. To make our joy complete. Good news that brings great joy, the angels said. Well, John's taken that thought and he's fleshed it out for us right here. He says, I've written this so that joy, that explosion of, of, of euphoric happiness in our hearts might be complete. What is that? Um, Fellowship with man, friendship, and fellowship, friendship with God. But I want you to know what he doesn't say there. There's something powerful about what is not said. He, He doesn't say, I'm writing this so I might have joy. Because he's indicating that there is a joy that is his apart from whether or not you walk with him. And that's important. It's important to have a joy that you can carry with you even when the people who are in your world aren't relating to you in a joyful way. He doesn't say, I have written this so that you can behave yourself and do what I want you to do so I can be happy. There is a joy here that is almost, if you will, um, uh, subterranean it's it's deep down. It doesn't matter. Look, this is so my joy might be complete, but my joy's with me anyway. And this is important because some people are fearful about entering into relationships because they've entered into relationships before, and they had their joy plastered all over the wall, and they had none. There is this subterranean joy that John has got that's not dependent upon the reaction and the responses of the people in his world wouldn't you love that kind of joy hey? wouldn't you love to be able to have a joy that's not associated with necessarily the health of, uh, of just you know, your children or, or how well the, those people who are close and dear to you are going there is this subterranean joy there's this house uh, on um, Fishers Road at, uh, at Ripley there just down the road from our Hannah's House Long term. And it's about an acre property, and it's green. The grass is green all the time. And whilst our grass <laughs> has been akin to sand, if you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Haven't had to mow the lawn for some time, um, just rearrange the sand. And, uh, and, but this, not this house, this house on Fishers Road. And the sprinklers are going all the time. You, you take a drive down, and you'll see the sp- he's almost all day there's a sprinkler going on that property somewhere. And you're driving along, and by the time you've driven past the house, and I've driven past it you know, every day for, for, for much, you think to yourself, where is he getting this water from? What's this about? And uh, there's a little sign on his, on his um, uh, gate, basically, he's saying, if you're worried about my use of water, go away. Uh, <laughs> because he has this subterranean source of water, and he's not drawing water from his tanks. And he's not drawing water from the mains. He has this subterranean source. And whilst everyone around him is brown, he's as green as you could imagine. I mean, there is a life. There is a, it looks quite remarkable, really. And, and my point is, obviously, that there is such a, a subterranean source of joy that is possible in our relationship with God. That basically means this. That basically means my joy is complete when I'm at one with you, but if I'm not at one with you, I still have joy. <laughs> and unless you have that, you'll never get this. You know why? Because you'll never be game. Because you've tried it before and it's failed, hasn't it? You've gone down that pathway before and it finished pretty dismally and you probably said to yourself, well, that's it, you know, now I've got my friends and that's it. He's just going to stay small and stay close. And you're fearful because you don't want to get caught up in the drama of someone else's life and get dragged around with them. If I become their friend, then their problems become my problems. How many know a friend in need? Anyway, you know what I'm saying. I've been dragged up and down with their issues and dragged up and down with their problems or whatever. What, what, what John is saying is that I've developed a relationship with God that is so deep and so profound that leaves me the opportunity to develop a relationship with you. And if I get disappointed in you, it's not going to floor me. It's not going to take me all the way down. And if I get hurt by you, it's not going to destroy me. It's not going to be the end of me because I have this subterranean joy. Christmas gives you this inner sense of of joy that Jesus Christ has landed, that God's kingdom has come. This is a high watermark, folks. And I have a walk with a friendship with Jesus that means I can have friendship with you. I can open up my heart to you. And if you slap me in the face, oh, well, it's okay. It doesn't mean I fall over. It doesn't mean I'm destroyed. It doesn't mean the end of me. It might complete my joy, but it doesn't sustain my joy. It might complete my joy, but it is not the origin and the source of my joy. The source of my joy is something far more profound. The source of my joy is something that is beyond just this world. It is the fact that I have fellowship with God. And I don't know where you're at right now in your own life. I don't know if you've had some relational you know, difficulties, challenges in the, uh, this year, 2019, and maybe you're looking forward to 2020, a new decade. <laughs> maybe you've had a bad decade, I don't know. <laughs> and you think, oh man, hopefully next decade's going to be better. And uh, we, all, we all understand, don't we, that, that uh, our relationships, particularly within our families, but even... Beyond that, in, in the the, um, the close friendships, uh, we 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 do we feel the pain, we we feel the, the angst, we we, we feel the, the the hurt, and it can take its toll on you. It can leave you um, pretty much emotionally bankrupt. But but what I draw from this, what I see from this, is because of Christmas, I am free. I'm free to be a relational being. I am free to open up my heart again. I am free to try again. I'm free to step out into someone else's world again, to incarnate myself into the world of somebody else, which is a hugely courageous move. But the, but the very thing that Jesus did and the very thing that indeed we are called to do as we follow Jesus, I can do that because that's what he's done for me because I walk with him because I have that connection with him because I have that friendship with him I am free to be relational, I am free to be spiritual I can pray to God, I can talk with God, I can walk with God Um, it can seem almost sometimes like you know you are living in your own world but because it's in this little, little sort of connection that you have with Jesus, this connection that you have with God that you find such joy what the rest of the world around you is, is is barren and dry and people are depressed and unhappy and angry. There's this effervescent epi- joy about you. And you, what's, what's the difference? Why is everyone else so brown and yet your life is so lush and, and so green? Oh, I've got this depth of joy. I've got this depth of joy. Relationship. I am free to be relational. I am free to be spiritual and I'm free to be emotional. I can open my heart up to people. Is it any wonder when those angels appeared to those shepherds and they said to them, We've got news? Now that doesn't work. This just isn't information. This is good information. It's All good. The story of Christmas is all good. It's good. Why? Because when the human heart embraces it, when the human mind understands it, when people see they're free to be relational, free to be spiritual, and free to be emotional, oh my goodness. They're going to walk around with smiles on their faces. There's going to be a spring in their step. The end result of this good news is going to be great joy. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you today that indeed we can experience this good news. Lord, there's not a person here this morning that cannot embrace and walk into this good news. And Lord... Therefore, walk away with great joy, with great joy. Lord, I pray for everybody in this house this morning who's uh, just right now in need of some area in their life. Maybe there's been a tearing at, uh, at the family connections. There's been a diminishing of, of friendships. Uh, relationships have become messy. And maybe the word to define it is complicated. Father, as we come to this season of Christmas, Lord, may we we receive the incarnational blessing that God comes to me. May I pass it on to others. In Jesus' name. Everybody say Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast.